Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. This week, Pastor Tom interviews Pastor Bob Prober about the miracle that is modern-day Israel. We'll find out why Israel matters and why what happens in Israel affects all believers. What a blessing. It's a blessing to be part of this community who love Israel, get Israel and the Jewish people, and we have a Jewish book. Uh, The Old Testament is Jewish, and the New Testament is also Jewish. And uh, we're forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, our Jewish Savior. Who is Jewish. Who is also (laughs) Jewish. And uh, with that, uh, my friend who travels to Israel quite often, we're going to get into these things in just a few minutes, Bob Prober. Please welcome Pastor Bob. Thanks for letting me come. <laughs> this is going to be great. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for letting me come. Hey, he keeps thank letting you. me come and I, you know, hang out with you guys. Yeah, let's I have like a seat. it. You ready to go? Anytime you are. Let, we better sit down because oh, we Israel, have a lot of ground. We're just going to sit down. We're going to we're going to go. Okay. We're going to go to Israel. We're going <laughs> to we're going to go all over the place tonight. Um, so before we get started, uh, let me read this, and this will help set the yeah. tone of things. Uh, this author, uh, Britt Gillette, uh, he just wrote this the other day. Some of you follow him. Uh, many of you probably never heard of him. I read a lot of his material, but it says it seems like everywhere we look today, we see violence, hatred, debauchery of every kind. Cities track the number of murders year to date, and the local news reports on whether or not the latest body count is a new record. Films and television shows constantly push the envelope, portraying ever increasing violence. It says this is what Paul said in the last the last days would be like. He said people would love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful, proud, scoffers. Uh, disobedient, ungrateful, unloving, unforgiving. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good, betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. This is the exact type of behavior we see today. Therefore, it's no surprise so many people think the end is near. And then he says this. It turns out what many people instinctively think is actually true. The end is near. How can I be so sure? Because Jesus and the Hebrew prophets cited specific events. They said, well, mark the end times. Today we see those events. The gospel is being preached. Travel and knowledge are increasing. The Jewish people once again control Jerusalem. These are just a few of the signs. Jesus said, when you see these all these things take place, stand up and look up for your salvation draws near. He writes, this means the convergence of all these things is the number one reason to believe his second coming of ne- is near. But among all the signs, which one is the greatest? What's the most important individual sign Jesus gave about his return? He writes, the regathering of the Jews to the land called Israel. Uh, without a doubt, I believe the greatest sign is that regathering of the Jewish people. Not only did God promise it would happen in the last days, but the tribulation itself cannot occur without Israel and the Jews being back in the land. And then he writes this, and I can't, I'm not going to read the whole article because I want to get started with Bob. Just half of it. Just half of it. That, this first half will only take it's 45 good. more it's minutes. Good. I know. Just, just a couple more minutes. Yeah, well, I might even skim midnight, through this. Right? I'll even skim through this. Okay. Uh, the Antichrist covenant, he writes, is one of those things that has to take place. Uh, the tribulation begins when Israel agrees to a covenant or treaty with Antichrist. How could Israel agree to such a covenant if Israel doesn't exist? Uh, The promise of the tribulation. God's primary purpose of the tribulation 
is to fill, fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel. Before this can happen, Israel must exist as a nation. Regarding Jerusalem, Jesus said the Jewish people will have control of Jerusalem. Only then will the end time events described that Jesus described take place. This means that the tribulation cannot occur unless the Jewish people control Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, the Bible says that in the last days, when God brings the Jewish people back into the land from the many lands where they've been scattered, a massive coalition of armies will invade Israel. This can happen unless Israel is a nation again. Israel will have an exceedingly great army. This can't happen unless well, Israel is a nation again. The abomination of desolations that Jesus spoke about when he said, consider the words of Daniel, that can't happen unless the Jews have uh, the Temple Mount, and, and I believe even the Temple, which we'll get to tonight also. Uh, prior to May 14, 1948, which we're talking about tonight, uh, Israel did not exist. So this had to happen. God had his promise. We have a lot more ground we could cover. I'm not going to get into all of that, but we start looking at this, Bob, and this is essentially what we are talking about this evening, yeah. is the nation of Israel. And My favorite subject. It is your, that's why I brought you here. <laughs> it is your favorite subject, and uh, I had no other reason to actually bring you here if we weren't talking about Israel, other than, other than just come on out and be my friend and teach something else. All right. But it is your I'd favorite subject. I'd rather talk about Israel, though. It's my, I, I would too. Yeah. And it's my favorite subject also. Yeah, I um, know. So uh, you've been to Israel how many times? 53 next week. 53 next week. Yeah. Uh, one of those, I remember when you, this probably goes back 30 years or so, you walked the land of Israel. You got locked further. in some Palestinian cave or something like that. Or what happened on that? I, I, um, I backpacked Israel three times. Uh, the very first time I went, I, you know, you make all your plans, and we always do that. Then we turn them over to the Lord, and he changes everything. And I thought I knew where I was going, but I didn't, because uh, he had better places for me to go. And I was young, and I was very naive at the time, too. And so I wanted to go see Jacob's well. Uh, if you don't know, that's in a city called Nablus today, which is in the West Bank. As far as I was concerned, it was only Shechem, so I was going to go see it. And I got on a bus, and, he, and uh, there was a buddy with me, and we get off the bus, and immediately people are coming up, cab drivers, and going, do you want to go to Tel Aviv? No, I, I want to see Nablus. Uh, do you want to go to Haifa? No, I want to see Nablus. And they go, well, okay. And I think they were trying to warn us politely, but I wasn't getting it. Too thick, you know. And so How old were you? I was 25. How many years ago was it? Long time. <laughs> many years ago, Tom, when I was a youngin. And you but, knew everything. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought, I'm fine. I saw a heavier military presence there. But we're walking around, and uh, we got to see Jacob's well, and you can pull water out of there and drink water out of Jacob's well. It was, it was a lot of fun. But we went over to see Joseph's tomb. And so we got over there, and there's some Israeli soldiers sitting there, and they go, what are you doing here? And we said, we came to see the tomb. They go, it's too late. We're closed. Get out of here. And we said, well, okay. And then one of them said, where are you going? I said, I will just camp in the woods like we usually do. It's not here. I said, why not? He goes, because we don't want to pick up your body in the morning. <laughs> I, and then it, it kind of started to sink in a little bit. And he, and he said, go find a hotel. I said, look, it, we're backpacking. We're poor. We don't have any money. I'm not going to a hotel. So the soldiers talked to each other for a while, and they decided to lock us inside of Joseph's tomb that night. <laughs> so 
hey, I'm fine with this, you know. It's, we're backpacking anyway. And uh, so they lock all the gates. At the time, there was some rock wall and some barbed wire and things like that. And they lock it all up and we roll out our sleeping bags. And, you know, when you're backpacking, you kind of go to sleep when the sun goes down and you wake up when it comes up. And we'd been laying there for a couple of hours and just talking about how good the Lord is and looking at the stars and having a great time. And suddenly I hear a Jeep come up. And so I'm thinking, oh, maybe they have a night patrol. And I kind of looked up and and sure enough, there's a Jeep going by. It's Israeli. And I thought, oh, they're coming to check on us. So I jump up and go, hey. And these guys all leap out of the Jeep. And suddenly I've got (laughs) Uzis pointed at me, you know. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I... I, uh, tell my friend, give me your passport, and I'm holding two passports, and I walk out of where we're at. We were down a couple of steps, and the guys are looking at me, and, and one of them goes, Ivrid, Ivrid, and I go, no, I don't speak Hebrew. He goes, Arabi, Arabi, and I go, no, I don't speak Arabic. I go, How about English? And they're going, nope. So, <laughs> so we're standing there, and uh, we're at an impasse. I'm going to get shot, or we're going to find some way to communicate, and one of the guys finally gets an idea. This will tell you how long ago this was. He goes, Ford Carter, Ford Carter. Carter is very anti-Israel. President Ford was pro-Israel. So if you were talking to Arabs, you would say, oh, Carter, of course, just to keep from causing a riot. But if you were with Israelis, President Ford was the friend of the nation. So I said, Ford, of course. And they all dropped their guns and go, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went and got a, a, they they couldn't find the key. They had to get a truck with ladders and take us out of there and stuck us in some really old hotel that night that was an interesting place. But they offered to send us to prison and I wanted to go there. I, I just thought that would be another neat experience. I spent a night in Israeli prison. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe you'd still but be there. I don't know. God has opened so many awesome doors like that to see things that I can't take you on on a tour. You know? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't want to go to prison no. on a tour. Well, but you're Joseph's going, Tomb. Yeah, Joseph's Tomb. So you, at, you've done a lot of tours, a lot of tours with me. Oh yeah. We have one coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. But you are going to, you are leaving like in a few days. I'll be gone. You are going Sunday. with Richie Fury. How many of you are old enough to remember Buffalo Springfield? So, yeah, he's so a Bob's good leading the tour, of, uh, Richie Fury's tour next week. Who was with lead singer Buffalo Springfield? He guitar. formed it with. Um, Who's the other guy, the guitar player? Stephen Stills. Richie and Stephen Stills. And then after that, Jim Messina used to fill in for... Um, uh, the Loggins and Messina guy. Yeah. <coughs> well, they formed uh, Poco after That's that. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. So you're doing a tour with Richie. Uh, people God's from his church. Up interesting doors for you. Oh, incredible. And I was going to share with you one of the neat ones was... You don't have a lot of time. Okay. But this is cool. No, you can't. Go ahead. I want to, I want to get everybody mad at me. I, just, I get to meet interesting people. I like to go there and hang out. The tours are wonderful. If you haven't gone, I believe God wants you to. I've shared that with you every time we do a Passover dinner. You need to go to the land and see something that you don't normally see. As a matter of fact, I, I read something interesting this week about Jerusalem itself. You know, Why is it in the middle of all the turmoil? And in, in the Hebrew, it divides into two words. It says yeri, and that means to see, shalem, peace, to see peace. And that's what you do there. You see, you feel, you understand, you know the presence of the Lord is there like no other place in the world. And I've traveled to a lot of cities, but there's nothing like Jerusalem. Nowhere in the world. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's an absolutely yeah. incredible city. Um, uh, 
so when, when I look at this, um, thinking of tonight's ser- uh, message titled, yeah. uh, The Miracle of Israel, yeah. and it really is, it's, it's hard for people to understand. If we have enough time, we'll get into how safe it really is, it and is. what you feel like the moment you land at the Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. It's really an incredible, uh, the whole uh, country is just absolutely incredible, not just Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is is. It's, is, it's all a part of our heritage. It's all a part of the Bible. Everywhere you go, you can't help but, I mean, we're walking around, it's like, and this happened here, and this happened here, and this happened here. And we're just opening the Word constantly because every place you step, something in our Word, in the Word of God, has happened there, and we get to see it firsthand. Amen. Amen. Right and you there. never read the Bible the same way again because everywhere you read you, the Bible, you, you see go, it. you see it, you go, oh, that happened right there. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. So let's get into okay. to the miracle of Israel. Then if we have time, we'll get back to the rest. But I, I, I look at this and I think, okay, do you see any significance in the restoration of the Jewish people to the, What do you see? Oh, I just <laughs> wanted to start out with the first miracle. Think about this just for a minute. A 100-year-old guy and a 90-year-old woman have a kid. That's miraculous. Ask any doctor in the world. As in Abraham and Sarah, yeah, anybody's yeah. wondering. Well, that's, a, that's yeah. a good start. Yes, it is a and, good start. And God made promises them to them, but all those promises came with conditions. And the condition was, you serve me, I will give you stuff beyond your greatest belief. I'll give you land, I'll give you fields you didn't plant, I'll give you flocks you didn't start, and, and it'll continue to grow. You'll be blessed immeasurably, but if you stop following my word, then I'm going to put you out of the land. It doesn't mean I'm going to do away with you. It doesn't mean that I reject you. It's kind of like parents. You, you get punished when you're disobedient. Now, when we deal with the disobedience, then I bring you back into the land. And we've watched that happen several times, and it's happened again in our lifetime, which is amazing yeah. uh, because this idea... Of, of seeing peace is the fact that the Jewish people have kept the memory of Jerusalem alive. Yeah. You remember David said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning and then my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. In our lifetime, the Jewish people have realized what was only a dream for the last 2,000 years. The dream, the memory was kept alive and has become reality. It's no longer a dream. It's the reality and you can go and be a part of that reality in Jerusalem. Yeah. It's, it's really an amazing thing. Uh, I think Deuteronomy 28 is where God says, if you obey me, I'll give you all these blessings. Yep. If you disobey me, you'll become a byword. Everywhere you curse. go. And, and a curse. And that is what has happened to the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism, worldwide. everywhere they go, they're, they're, they're a byword. Yeah. It is worldwide. Yeah. And they don't belong there. They need to go home. They, they need to go home, <laughs> and God is calling them home. Thank yeah. God. Don't you think God is using anti-Semitism worldwide to, to uh, draw the Think Jews recently, back the Paris attacks, yeah. you know. Uh, Netanyahu said, hey, it's open. Home is open. Come on home. And a lot of Jews decided, i got to get out of here. What drove them to look for a land to begin with? You remember it was the, the Dreyfus affair. And yeah. Jews were retreating unfairly because they were Jewish, not for any other reason. And that's when... Uh, it was decided we need a homeland, yeah. and the Zionist movement began. Is that Theodore Herzl, the, yeah. the Dreyfus? Yeah. That was 18... Uh, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was a correspondent, and he was covering the trial, yes. and it was there he realized the 
uh, inequity, the unfairness of this trial, and he wrote the, the book Tel Aviv, not named after the city or the city named after the book, it means something different, City of the Seven Springs, but uh, presenting or setting forth this idea of Zionism yeah. and, and returning to a land of the Jews. Amen. And you know, it's interesting, you, you can be accused of being, uh, if you're Jewish and you want to go back to your homeland, you're accused of being a Zionist, and people now equate that with racism. You, you, I mean, we hear that all the time, right? Yeah. You're a racist. If you're a Gentile believer, a Christian uh, believer in Christ, you're accused of being a Christian Zionist, hence a Christian racist. But it's absurd because God is the original Zionist. Yeah. He's the one who put uh, Zion. He says, Zion is mine. Yeah, and, and that's where Jesus is going to rule and reign from. Amen. It's m several times in Scripture, and... Uh, I probably tell people, I am a Zionist Christian. I am pro-Zion. That's where Jesus is going. That's where God put him. God made it all. I have no problem with siding with God. The rest Amen. of the world has a problem with that, but I don't. You can be on, you can be on God's side or the wrong side. I prefer yeah, to be yeah, on God's side. Yeah. And me and God, that's the majority. That's, You're in trouble. Amen. <laughs> that's how it's always been with Israel, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you look at David and Goliath, they're... Their whole history has been uh, like it is right now. Yeah. A tiny country. With a, with a large enemy that wants to destroy them. Esther, same thing. Haman, mm -hmm. Hitler, same thing. Yes. Wants to destroy them, wants to wipe them out, wants to get rid of them. Why? They have no real they're reason. Tiny, they, they're they, such they, a tiny nation. Yeah, but they irritate people because people are convicted by the Jewish people. And uh, they understand that there's something going on there because these people are not like anybody else in the world. They have lived past every one of their enemies, stood by their graves, and are still strong today. Where are the Canaanites? Gone. Yeah, you start looking at Hittites, all of their enemies. Uh, Jebusites, Philistines, no more. The Philistines... By the way, this is an interesting point. Some of you need to know. Many Arabs today claim to be Philistines. I, I have a problem with this, first of all. The name came from Hadrian in 135 A.D. During the Kokhba revolt, again, the Jews were irritating him. Rome wanted to wipe out Israel. And so he did. He decimated the land. He destroyed the city of Jerusalem. He renamed it Eliana Capitolina, or the city of Hadrian. And uh, the Philistines were the enemies of Israel, but they were dealt with during the time of David and his son Solomon. And during the Solomonic era, uh, Gaza Strip, all the cities of the Philistines, the five cities of the Philistines were completely controlled by Israel. And they, over time, assimilated into Israel and the Philistine people ceased to exist. So because Hadrian hated Israel so much, he named the land Palestine or land of the Philistines, even though there were no Philistines. The name was used for a while. The Ottoman Empire comes in. They take over. There was crusaders. There was all kinds of people. The British come back after World War I. Uh, the Ottomans lose the land because they lost the war. They were sided with Germany. And the English come in and they go, well, let's call this Palestine once again. And so uh, anybody who lived there, in 1948, if you went to Palestine, even before 48, if you went to Palestine, there was lots of Jews there and a Palestinian was anybody who lived in Israel. The first newspaper, Palestine Post, uh, completely owned and operated by Jews. Today it's called the Jerusalem Post. The Palestine Philharmonic, uh, completely uh, run, and, and all the musicians and everybody were Jews. 
But as time went on, even, even uh, as late as the 60s, to call an Arab a Palestinian, they would feel it was like a curse. I'm not one of those Jews. I'm not like that. It was Yasser Arafat who later on began to promote the idea that we are a people and they claim this um, gentry mm -hmm. from somebody that never existed. But what I wanted to tell you was the Palestinians uh, came from Crete. They're not a Semitic people. The They're Philistines. Europeans. The Philistines. Yes, the Philistines. Palest yeah. <laughs> Palestine <laughs> is a corruption of the word Philistine. Yeah. So, but the, the Philistines came from Crete. They are not Semitic. They are not descendants of Abraham and Isaac or descendants of Abraham and Ishmael. They are Japhethites. They are Europeans. So these Arabs that claim they're Europeans, come on, no possible way. You're not. Now, I, this is really interesting. I've read regarding, uh, I think it was a mufti in, in Jerusalem who wrote a book about the Jews having the right to the Temple Mount. They do. It was written in 1937. I actually have a copy of it. It was part of a travel guide, and they would say, here's where you can find the Temple of Solomon, and here's where uh, the Temple of Ezra been. was built, and this kind of thing. Uh, and they completely deny it today, but somebody found a copy of it. You can actually get it online, and you can buy a copy. Um, I wouldn't recommend taking it to the Temple Mount to use as a touring guide because you will really irritate some people and they, they will take it away from you. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting. You have this Muslim leader that yeah. said that's where the Jewish temple belonged. I also find this interesting, Bob. I hear a lot of people saying the temple does not belong on the Temple Mount. Uh, you've been to Israel more than I've right. been. I think it's absurd for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, but the Romans... After Hadrian, uh, even or actually Hadrian, and then even after that, wanted to make sure that the Jews would not build a temple on the Temple Mount. They used to pile dung on the Temple Mount to keep to just to to desecrate the whole area. Keep it unclean. Uh, keep it unclean. So keep if you're thinking, building. why would the Romans do that unless they knew that they had destroyed that, the temple? That was that the was location. There. Yeah. yeah, and there's lots of conjectures, um, and we know that. Uh, there's a, an interesting group we go and visit every time, Temple Mount Faithful, Temple yeah. Mount Institute. They've got everything ready to build the new temple. They're just waiting. Each year they do a procession up there with a cornerstone, and, and they've got all the instruments of the temple made, all the robes for the priest. About five years ago at Passover, they started sacrificing a lamb. The first year they had to call out the army. They thought it was going to start a war. Uh, but you can actually see that online too. And I talked to Rabbi Rickman, and I said, are you guys doing this? And he goes, of course. <laughs> I said, why? He goes, we have to teach the priest. We're going to build the temple soon. They need to know how to do the sacrifices. And I said, you don't have a temple, but we're still learning. And I said, so what did you do with the, the, the lambs that were sacrificed? He said, we gave the meat to the poor. So it's all planned. It's the only item they don't have, at least they're saying they don't have it yet in their possession, is the Ark of the Covenant. So where is it? Well, I ask everybody who comes here. It's in a warehouse it, in you, Washington, D.C., where Indiana Jones put it. Yeah, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That, that whole um, <laughs> thing with Tammuz was, there's actually about ten theories about where the Ark is, and the one with Tammuz is, comes in at number nine, so it's not even high on the list. But um, the, when I asked Rabbi Rickman the first time, I said, do you know where it is? He goes, well, of course we do. I said, where? He goes, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Last time I asked him, he said, 
you know, we, we, um, we tell everybody we're not quite sure where it is. We know when it's time, the Lord will show us. So they're not admitting it anymore, but he told me before, yeah, I know exactly where it is. And I, I believe they do. I think they know where it is. And I don't think it's in Ethiopia. I don't, I don't That's think it's number in, two on the I, list. I, I do not think it's in Ethiopia either. Um, we, we, are, we are not staying in order on no, these at not. all, so that's great. This is actually kind of fun to do yeah. it this way. But you mentioned Gaza, so let's go to yes. Gaza for a minute. Okay. Um, and uh, you have some pictures up here. So Craig, can you pull up some of these pictures? I, there I, we go. I, the pictures are popping up. I was reading a fascinating prophecy about Gaza this week, and I got to thinking about it. And so it's something that's in the news all the time. I mean, every week you hear about it. We've been hearing about it for years now. And it kind of gets shoved to the background sometimes because of things going on in Jerusalem, an embassy being moved, or a gay parade that they want to do in Jerusalem, or, or things like that. But Gaza is, is really, really important. And uh, it it's, was one of the five Philistine cities again. It's a tithing envelope. Yeah, don't lose it. I know. I don't, I Make won't. sure you fill it before you leave. Is there anything in it? <laughs> no. No, you, you fill it and you oh, give it back okay. to the church. I, I Not kidding. My, I put money in it and give it to you. I see you use it like most yeah. people for notes. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a piece of paper. I didn't have one. So I thought, I'll just make a note here. That's funny. I'm but, sorry I interrupted Yeah, you. that's okay. God, it, if, you have your, if you have your Bible tonight, I hope you do. Of course, we always bring our Bibles to church, right? So look at Zephaniah chapter 2, all right? Gaza, again, was controlled by the Philistines. This piece of land we find in Joshua chapter 12 was given to the tribe of Judah. This land belongs to Judah. But the Philistines came in, they were harassing them all the time. Uh, in the time of Judges, you see that the people of Judah actually left there. They went up to, uh, the people of Dan left there too, and they'd moved to other areas. But it, it was land that belonged to Judah. The Philistines were taken out, other people controlled the land. And uh, uh, finally, after um, 1948, that was part of the land that was not taken by Israel. Israel declared themselves a nation the next day. Five nations declare war on them. And surprise, surprise to everybody, the other nations didn't win. Israel did. But the Gaza Strip was held by Egypt. It was taken by Israel in 1967, and they held it till 1998. In 1998, we had something known as the Oslo Accord. And what happened there was they decided that it should be under kind of a dual autonomy between some of the Arabs and the Israelis. So it was a group called the PNA who were to take authority over that, and uh, they did. And Israel kind of hung on to it for a long time. And uh, then a guy comes along, interesting guy, an Israeli patriot, a hero, uh, Ariel Sharon. He was prime minister at the time. And uh, I, uh, I mean, a real patriot. Everybody knew that he was the guy. There were settlements in Gaza, Israeli settlements. Several towns were built there, thousands of Israelis living there. And in 1994, Ariel Sharon just suddenly says, you know what? We're giving it all to the Palestinians. They're completely autonomous. And, and a lot of the Israelis who thought, Sharon is on our side, Sharon's a hawk, Sharon will keep us in here, were like, hey, what happened to Ariel, you know? God, in the book of Joel, chapter 3, I think it is, talks about the fact that anyone who divides the land, any group, any individual, they're going to face the wrath of God. They'll face judgment from God. Six months after Ariel Sharon made this claim, he had a massive stroke. And uh, 
many today still wonder, hmm, mm -hmm. did God do what he said he would do? Yep. No, no. Uh, good possibility. Exactly. <laughs> Sharon was in a coma in a vegetative state for 10 years. Okay? So who took control? Uh, the the PNA Yasser uh, was Fatah actually, and Yasser Arafat was part of that. But Fatah was so corrupt that Hamas kicked them out in 2006, yes. and Hamas took over. Hamas is a client state uh, of Iran. They're completely funded by, supplied by, given weapons by uh, them, and and they have not done a good job of leading their people. So they are there. But if you look at the, at the scripture here, I have to get out my readers here. Um, Zephaniah chapter 2. By the way, it's 141 square miles. It's got 1.85 million people crammed in there. The reason that these people are crammed in there is in 1948, when these nations were going to attack Israel, they told all of their Arab brothers, move out of Israel... We will take care of them, and in a few days you can move back. Okay? Well, it didn't happen. So uh, I think it was a million and a half, 1.5 or 1.55 Arabs, move out of the land of Israel. Uh, at that point, 1.85 million Jews were kicked out of all these Arab countries, and they came into Israel. Israel won. Israel immediately begins to assimilate their people, take care of their people. They didn't put them in refugee camps. When the war is over, what happened to the people that moved out? Nobody wanted them. They got put in Gaza. They got put in refugee camps in Samaria. Up until, oh, probably 25 years ago, when you went out near the area of Jericho, you could see these mud hut areas. No plumbing, no electricity, no water. And this is where guys like Yasser Arafat would go and get the kids and say, see what Israel did to you? You see, they forgot. The history wasn't remembered. The history was changed and that's why it's so important to remember the history, to remember what God has done. Because when you forget, when somebody loses their mind, they forget, they're, they're, they have nothing. They don't remember anything. They have no basis. They're just kind of floating around. We need the memories that God has given us. We need the Word of God. We need to remember the things that He's told us. But these people were displaced, and now they're packed into Gaza. Okay? They took up residency in, in that city, and we come down to verse 1 of uh, chapter 2 and uh, he begins by saying um, well, I have verse I have verse 1 here somewhere oh there it is gather yourselves together yes gather together O undesirable nation who's the undesirable nation it's Israel we just talked about it nobody likes them anywhere they are they don't even want them where they are today they're undesirable but they're undesirable for another reason. The way the Lord is speaking here in the Hebrew is, get it together, you undesirable nation. You've done something undesirable. What was the undesirable thing they did? They kicked their brothers off of their land. They took Jews out of Gaza when Gaza belonged to the Jews, and that was an undesirable thing to do. So God is saying, get it together. You've blown it. You made a mistake here. He goes, I want you to get it together, verse 2, before the decree is issued. What decree? Uh, or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Day of the Lord, Tom? Mm -hmm. What is it? It's going to be the beginning of the tribulation yeah, period. It's time of Jacob's trouble. Time so. of Jacob's trouble, exactly. The day 
uh, the day for us when Jesus says, come up here. <laughs> come on out of here. Which we're going to get to in a minute, too. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean in 30 seconds or 60 seconds. All right. I got th- 60 seconds. Yeah, 90. Okay. Verse 3, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, that it may, uh, be, uh, it may be that you will be hidden in the days of the Lord's anger. We've talked about that a lot of times too. There's ideas that perhaps we know that the Lord's going to take some Jews aside. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists, but where are they going to be hidden? And so there's a lot of speculation and some interesting teaching on Petra, a place where they might be able to hide. But uh, this remnant of Israel, we're taken up. The wrath of God is coming down. The remnant of Israel is being hidden away. And uh, Gaza, verse 4, shall be forsaken. By who? It was forsaken by God's people. Interesting, when Sharon had a vote with his cabinet, 14 voted to let the Palestinians have Gaza. Seven voted that they should keep it, right? When the nation was polled, they took a nationwide vote, 33 and one-third percent said, we have to keep it. Mm. That's interesting because when you get in the book of Revelation, I've been listening to you in Revelation, you're on the radio right now, and in the book of Revelation, we know that during the time of Jacob's trouble, two-thirds of Israel will be destroyed. Will be destroyed. Isn't that fascinating? I don't believe in coincidence. So two-thirds said, give it away. One-third said, we got to keep it on the cabinet and the national vote. So who has forsaken Gaza? Gaza's forsaken. Ashkelon will be desolate. They'll drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron will be uproaded. Former cities of the Philistines were in control of the Jews. Some still are today. Uh, these are the places we're reading in the news. Mm. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the Sherathites. Modern translation in some of your Bibles says the Philistines. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. In other words, those who would call yourself Philistines today, mm-hmm. the word of the Lord is against you. That's a scary thought. I'll destroy you. There's not going to be any inhabitant. The seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds. This is at the end of the tribulation period. The coast shall be for a remnant of the houses of Judah. They shall feed their flocks. And the houses of Ashkelon shall lie down. For the Lord their God will intervene for them. There'll be a rest and God will visit. But this, this is what's happening now. Israel has done some undesirable things. The result of that has been the second that Fatah took over and the second Hamas took over, what did they start doing? Firing thousands of rockets, at least 200 a day into Israel. I have friends who live in uh, the city of Sadrat, and I get their email, and it's like, yeah, we're in the shelters all day again today. I'm, I'm thinking, why do you live there? But, but God has called them to be there, to be an outpost, to be somebody that's watching and seeing what's going on and sharing with other people what's happening there. Uh, and it's, it's horrible. But last week, again, hundreds of rockets flying into Israel. And that's the pictures I had Craig put up. They're, they're sad, but you see what's going on. They're using women and children as, as uh, shields while they stand behind to fire their missiles. Um, Israel put it off for a long time. The rest of the world has said, oh, come on, let's coexist. Just be patient. Let's see how it works out. What, what would you do if Mexico was firing 200 rockets a day into San Diego? Would we sit around and go, oh, well, let's just see how this works out. Let's be patient. Mm-hmm. You know, We would react, and Israel had to. For the sake of their people, too many lives have been lost, too many properties have been destroyed. So Israel, though, is very careful. Uh, Hamas, these missiles, they're not very good rocketeers. 
They just kind of go anywhere. They're getting better, but um, they're not the little rocketeers. Um, yeah. They're like they're like giant bottle rockets. They are. I I was up in Lebanon one time. Some Israeli friends let me cross the border at the good fence. Another one of the fun experiences. And we were picking up Katusha rockets. It's like a fence post with a grenade on it. No guidance system or anything. But um, they're firing all these rockets in. And so Israel, very carefully though, spreads flyers. We're going to bomb you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. We've got phone numbers of everybody in Gaza. Excuse me, you guys. You'll probably want to get out of this building by quarter to 10 tomorrow because we're going to blow it up, okay? They let everybody know exactly what's going on. And then they do exactly what they said they were going to do. They go in and very strategically, very I think of surgeons with a knife. They come in and they do what they said they're going to do. They will take out those emplacements, those missile emplacements that are in schools, elementary schools, that are in hospitals, that are in mosques. And then they go, why'd you blow up our hospital? I don't know, I guess because it was a rocket launching site. That's what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. And the lies from, that the Western media um, gives us are how bad the, uh, the Jews are over in Israel yeah. for defending themselves. They just, they just show you, you know, 700 rockets are launched against the Jews. The Jews respond with one missile right. and CNN picks it And what's it the up. news? It, Israel, Israel attacks Israel attack. Gaza yeah. with a missile strike. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you have billions of dollars, tax dollars, by the way, that have been given to, to Gaza to Gaza and to Hamas to help their hospitals and schools and so forth. Feed Instead, them. all the money is given to Hamas to launch missiles at Israel. That's our tax dollars. Yeah. And uh, so you look at this, you think, that, but the Western media buys into all of these things. Yeah. In the very beginning, you were talking about the Jews returning to the land and, and right. the end of times, and I think this is a big part of that. I think what's going on in Gaza could trigger that time of Jacob's trouble. Yeah. It could, it, uh, so what does that mean? Does that mean the rapture is imminent? Well, let me ask you. Okay. Here, here's what happened. We're going right? to get into the rapture. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that. I had, we had a lot more questions. We only got through yeah, like one. So, well, as I said, we're going to have to stay till midnight. We did run out of time. So would you like I'm to sorry. have Bob back sometime? So we have fun. That's a really good. It's been fun. Um, uh, that, that went by really fast. I know. So I, I wanted to get into the, um, the language, Theodore Herzl. You know, you start yeah. looking at that. Uh, ben Yehuda, Theodore Herzl, uh, yeah. Ben Yehuda. Um, the, the desert blooming, um, all of these different things are happening in Israel, things that are uh, prophesied, prophesied regarding what Israel's going to be like in the yeah. last days, the Jews coming back into the land. I, again, you're looking at the Israel just being attacked, surrounded by their enemies. I wanted to get into Russia and Iran. Oh, yeah. we, don't have, we don't have time to even do I that know. tonight. You know they have a warm water port now. You, well, I tell you, why don't you talk on that for a minute and okay. then we'll get to well, the, the, the They are thing. there. They, they have wanted to be there. They want control there. They, want, they need oil. Russia doesn't have any oil. Israel, by the way, is discovering oil. Um, they invented slant drilling. They can go out into the water and get oil. Uh, most of the Arab nations around them are afraid that they're going to slant drill under their land and take their oil, freaking out. Uh, you should follow an interesting group. It's it's Christian group, Messianic group, called Zion Oil, and they are now drilling in the Megiddo Valley uh, for oil, and they believe that the largest oil reserve in the world is underneath the Megiddo Valley. So... Uh, I can't prove that yet, but that's what they're drilling for, and they're doing seismic uh, 
analysis right now. Well, it is interesting. You have yeah. the massive gas finds in Israel. Yeah. The oil they've been discovering. Israel thought they had no resources like that. And they do. Until now. Yes. So that's not a coincidence. Russia needs it. Russia needs Russia's it. put an air base in Turkey in close range to Israel. And uh, Russia has got warm water points, uh, ports at the Bosphorus now. They're ready. They're poised to do Ezekiel 38. Gog and Magog, yeah. Tomar and Tagarma. They're ready to come. It is just, it's really fascinating to watch all of these different pieces of the puzzle, the, the, the prophetic pieces yeah. of the puzzle. And, uh, and we look at the nation of Israel, the miracle of Israel, which I really want to talk about. Yeah. It is a miracle. The language alone is... Uh, the, Miraculous. It, it the is. The only dead language that's ever been revived. Yeah. They did try to revive Latin. Most of us are glad they didn't. <laughs> but Israel, it, there was a point in Israel, about 20 years in, it's like now the children are teaching their parents their mother tongue. That's cool. Amen. <laughs> in, in Egypt, Isaiah chapter 19, uh, the Egyptians will speak the language of the Jews, yes. the Hebrews. And by the yeah. way, Egypt is not like Gaza either. They've built a no. wall. They do not allow them to go in there. Why? Because the Hamas people are the Muslim Brotherhood that tried to overthrow the government of Egypt. So we don't want them. Nobody wants them. Israel, why are you being so mean to them? It's, it's, it's really fascinating when you look at the nations in the Bible that are going to be against Israel in the last days and the ones that will side with them. And strangely, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Jordan yeah. all will become friends with Israel in the last days. And you watch the geopolitical lineup. Five years ago, you would have said, absolutely no way. Now you're Couldn't seeing happen. every single nation exactly like the Bible says. I don't think that's a coincidence. Okay, go ahead. You have something to say. No, I don't no? believe in coincidence. Okay, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so last God's thing. So I, I love it, Bob, you come out and you uh, host our Passover feast every year. Yeah, and it we have is fun. so much fun to do. We need them to come so they can dance. You know what? We, we, we want to get everybody we, to dance last year. I tell you what, we will work that out for, we do it on Good Friday every year. Uh, we celebrate Passover, um, and it uh, just works with us, with us uh, goy. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, and it is a whole lot of fun. We fill up the sanctuary. And you get so to we'll eat. Talk about, and you get to eat. And <laughs> you bring More than your, nice. you got to bring your dance team for that night, though. So we're going to recruit, recruit some friends down from the Fairfax district in L.A. Yossi yeah. is going to go do that yeah, part. So, so we'll, we'll, it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you about that afterwards. The tech industry is huge in Israel. Um, it's, they you have Silicon everything. Valley, and they do. Even yeah. drip systems. It's a um, um, Herzliya. Herzliya. We drive through Herzliya. You'll see Microsoft. You'll see Apple. You'll see Sun. You'll see everybody there. And if you look into this, who who got everybody on the internet? It was four Israeli boys. Who in, who invents all these? chips and things that Apple and Microsoft use. It's Israeli. They are way ahead of the world in technology. Yeah. You, wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have this if it wasn't for Israel. That's right. Um, we're staying in Herzliya. Yeah. Uh, um, both, if you're going on a trip with me June or October, we get to stay in Herzliya. That's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be Not different. the whole time. Yeah. Uh, we'll be staying in Galilee also. <laughs> two weeks in Herzliya. Jerusalem too. <laughs> <laughs> nice <Yeah>. beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's one of the places that we'll be. Um, okay, final question. We've, I really enjoy the feast days with you. We've talked about different yeah. feast days. So you look at them. Obviously, there's feast days that were fulfilled. You have Jesus, uh, the, the Passover lamb. Yeah. You start looking at um, the feasts. 
do you see any of the feasts pointing to the time of the rapture? I'm not asking you to set a date. So, no, so I don't, I don't want yeah. to set a date, but I have to tell you, I get really excited in October. And the reason is there are three major feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, that every Jewish male was to attend uh, on a yearly basis. And the uh, feast, each of those feasts, something, except for the last one, something major has happened to the church. It was Pentecost when the Spirit of God was given to the church, when the church actually began. It was Passover when Christ was sacrificed and resurrected, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And beautiful picture, every feast, every holiday points to Jesus Christ as Messiah. And when a Jew discovers that, they become excited. I can't tell you how many Jewish people have said, I never saw this before. It's been a two-hour boring dinner, and now suddenly <laughs> I can sit for six hours and go through it because it's exciting. But what's going to happen at Tabernacles? There's a trumpet sound, and there's a dinner. I believe that it's somewhere around there we're going to hear a trumpet sound and a voice that says, come up hither, and we're going to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Amen. So, you know, <laughs> praise God. I don't want to wait till October. I would like him to come today. Let Gaza be the trigger and let's, let's get this thing rolling. I want to go home. Amen. Don't you? I mean, I have friends that I care about, loved ones, but I, I'm sharing the gospel with them. I've discharged my responsibility to tell them the truth, but they have to make the choice. And if they want to decide against Jesus Christ as Messiah and Lord, that's between them and God. Yeah. And I'm, I want to... Head home. Amen. Be there with my family. Amen. Amen. I, I look at the feast days. All of the Jewish feast days were they attacked us, they tried to kill us. And then we eat. We won. <laughs> yeah. Let's eat. Yeah. <laughs> right? I think David Tall told us that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that is... Every holiday is they attack us, we win, let's eat. <laughs> Every, pretty much all of them. Yeah. Uh, Bob, it's been great having you with Thanks, us here. Tom. Um, if any of you want to go to Israel, might as well use this as a promo. Sure. If any of you want to, uh, your trip with Richie Fury, nobody can get on that, or Too my late. trip in June. But the trip in October that Sign we're up. both going to uh, be having together uh, with David Tao, yeah. uh, there is uh, room for that if you're interested. You can go online for that. Bob, thank you so much for, Thanks, for being here tonight. I'd love to have you back. There's a lot more I want to discuss tonight. Yeah. A whole lot more. That's why I want we to hang discuss. out in Israel. That is why we, we hang out in Israel. It right where it happened. <laughs> that is so cool. You're in Israel. You're talking about these things right where they happen. It is an absolute blast to be able to do that. You get to travel the world to the Holy Land. Talk about these things there. Man, it is exciting. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, HopeForOurTimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.